Welcome to Word of Life Podcast. We believe in loving God, loving people, and changing lives. For more information about Word of Life and how you can connect and be a part of it, please visit wordoflifechristian.org. Someone who was with us on New Year's Eve service, raise your hand if you were here that Sunday night. Let me see your hands. Don't put them back down. All right, so some of you, but not all of you. Great. I want you to understand that uh, God is, has a word for the house, and maybe you heard it, maybe you didn't. I was telling somebody on New Year's Eve service just because of the way the Lord moved, we didn't get much time, and so I said I felt like a, a racehorse trying to get out the gate as quickly as possible. But thank God today I got a little bit of time, amen? And every year, uh, our heart is to hear what God has for the house, Amen? How many of you want to know what God has for your house? Amen. How many of you want to know what God has for this house? Amen. Why is it important to know what God has? Because if God is speaking and and he's giving us direction and clarity, there's purpose in everything that God does. Amen. There's purpose. There's destiny. There's provision. There's there's moments of strategic interaction. There's assignments. There's things that God is calling and commissioning us to do in this day and age. And every assignment that God gives us, the enemy is trying to destroy it. Every, Every design that God has created us for, the enemy is trying to steal from that. Everything that God has called us to do, the enemy is trying to make a counterfeit for. That's why he's called the thief. That's why it says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's why he's always trying to find a way in. But oftentimes the body of Christ, we forget that even though he's trying to find a way in, that we're covered by the blood of Jesus. We're covered by the victory that, that Jesus won when he conquered death, held in the grave. We're, co- we're covered when he, when he laid his life down and he said, Father, have your will in my life. And, and, and he said, listen, if there's any other way, do it but if not have your way and when he was willing to do that he won a battle of eternity for you and I and he put some things in motion and and then and then we run into moments in our lives where we we give the enemy credit and really it's our own choices that we've made we give the enemy credit all the enemies after me the enemies defeating me you know the enemies attacking me the enemies and really it's just bad decisions you knew you shouldn't have been where you were at when you were there That wasn't the enemy. That was you making a bad decision. Right? Can I just be really transparent with you about me? Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just want to make sure. Because sometimes being a pastor, people can put you on a pedestal or think that you don't go through things, and that's a lie. Amen? We all face things. Amen? And the Lord was just reminding me this morning of some things and why I'm worshiping and sometimes you may see me over in a corner you may see me sometimes they're tears of joy and gratitude and sometimes they're they're, they're tears of repentance and sometimes they're they're tears because the Lord is kicking me in my pants and saying stop being sulking in your mess right anybody else ever been there listen so this, this this weekend so I like to hunt you guys know that and I don't get to go that often, but I get to go sometimes. And so I was going duck hunting on Saturday morning. And, and um, so we get up really early. For you, it may not be really early. For me, it's really early. Uh, the Lord is, and I have a, an agreement, mornings are not my strong suit. Um, it's a work in progress in my life. But uh, so I had to get up really early. And so typically I would try to go to bed a little earlier 
but it doesn't normally happen. So uh, I was going to bed really late that evening, and I was going to get about four hours of sleep. Now, some of you may function on four hours of sleep just really, really well. I'm not that guy. I like, you know, at least six, seven, eight is really, really good for me. Uh, but it doesn't happen much. But I had a situation and, um, uh, that took place in my life, and I was on a conference call the other day about some stuff. And, uh, you know, and it had nothing to do with ministry. You know, I, I have another job on the side, and so I'm thankful for that. The Lord uses that to, to, to be a blessing to our family. And, and I was on this conference call, and, and you know, the conference call was needed, but it wasn't anticipated, right? And, and I, I, I had some questions, and I had some concerns, and I had some, some challenges. And so I'm having this conversation, right? And we're chatting through some things. And, and there was a few comments made on that that just, like, sent me in the wrong direction, right? Like, I didn't respond, but I just kept thinking about them, kept chewing on them. And, and so that was on Friday, when this call happened, we're on Saturday now. It's a new day, right? Go through Saturday. Saturday night, I lay down late. And after like two hours, I'm up. And my mind just <laughs> going the wrong direction. Why are you telling us? Because I need you to understand something. That oftentimes, the way the enemy comes in, it, it, it's not like... It's these crazy encounters where you feel like somebody's coming at you and going to take you out. It's, 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 it's up here, right? It, it, this is where he begins to, to try to destroy and steal from your life, right? And, and so here I am. Uh, I'm up, and, 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 and I'm trying to go back to sleep, and I only get a couple more, and I can't sleep. And I just begin to pray. And then that morning takes place, and I finally get up. We go hunting and do our thing and come home, and it's still here, right? And all the time, these thoughts are trying to take me to become a Michael that God has removed me from being, trying to get me to lash out of my flesh, trying to get me to lash out of feelings and emotions, trying to get me to attack verbally, Anybody else ever been there? So I, I think most of us can relate to these moments. And this is what the enemy does in our lives is sometimes we make bad decisions and sometimes we know right from wrong. And so I had a choice to make in that moment. I could continue to meditate and dwell on the things that were ultimately going to cause me to make bad decisions or say something that I would have to ask for forgiveness or regret later or I begin to pray. Amen. The Bible says when you pray in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will pray through you, right? Uh, according to the will and the word of God, and that you'll be strengthened. And so I began to pray. And, and, and here's the thing that I need to encourage you, and I know we're not all in, into the, the scripture yet, but just give me a few minutes. Uh, that, that when you begin to pray like that, then the Lord will take you to not wanting to take somebody out or attack somebody or tear somebody down because of what they said or what they've done. He'll take you to interceding for them. He'll take you to praying that the Lord blesses them. He'll take you to praying that the Lord covers them and protects them. He'll take you to Matthew 5.44 where it says do good to your enemies and pray for them. Because everybody isn't your enemy. But the lie of the Satan is he wants to make everybody your enemy. And he wants to make your brothers and sisters your enemy. 
right? He wants to make your family your enemy. He wants to make your workplace your enemy. Why? Because the wrong thoughts produce the wrong actions. The wrong actions produce the wrong results. And then we look up and say, God, how did I get here? And then we shake our fist to God, what, what, what's going on? And at the end of the day, it's because we responded in a way that we shouldn't have responded. Amen? We responded out of hurt. We responded out of frustration. We responded out of, out of disappointment. We, res- we responded out of feeling betrayed or, or taken advantage of or, or, or overlooked or, or whatever else. We responded from feelings and emotions or thoughts that did not line up with God's word. Amen? And so I need to encourage you today that no matter who you are or where you're at or what's going on, if you are a son or daughter of the king, God is on your side. Amen? And if you're letting thoughts that don't line up with God's word drive you to say and do and be somebody that God didn't call you to be, then you need to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. Amen? Why? Because that puts us back in right standing with God. It puts us in order of God. And when we are in order, we're under his protection, his mercy, and his grace. And when we're out of order, we remove ourselves from that covering. Amen? But I need, you to, I, I need you to look at the life of David with me this morning. I don't know who that was for, but I felt like the Lord shared that. I didn't plan on that. But the Lord needed somebody to hear that today. And so when, when, when Cynthia was sharing and her testimony, the Lord was rocking my world a little bit. And, and he was saying, hey, are you going to trust me or not? Amen? Are you going to trust him or not? It's really that simple. Amen? Don't make it harder than it has to be. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter, two, or chapter 11 and verse 1. On New Year's Eve, I released the word that I felt like the Lord gave us for the house. And, and, and I feel like that word's important and significant as we go through this year. Because everything that God starts in the beginning, God will finish throughout the year in the end. And, and everything ties together. You know, we had a year of commitment, a year of generosity. Amen? And, and, and this year... Uh, the word the Lord gave us for the house is renew. It's renew. Some of you heard that and some of you didn't on New Year's Eve, and, and that's okay. But, but you have to understand something. When I hear that word renew, and when you hear that word renew, what, what does it really mean to you? Amen? And, and, and you know, the, the thing that you have to think about is uh, the word renew has a couple different meanings. Um, But here's a couple things that renew means. It means to renovate. It means to restore to a former state uh, or to a good state after decay or deprivation. To rebuild or to repair. uh, To reestablish. To revive. To make new. To make fresh. To transform. Uh, We have to understand that, that some of the things that when it says renew, it it implies a restoration of what had become faded or disintegrated so that it may seem like new again. You ever had a vehicle and, you know, it's got the black plastic on the side and over time the sun just kind of fades that out? Am I the only one ever had an older car? Maybe you guys all have new cars. You don't have that issue. Praise the Lord. I'm believing God for a new truck. But if you've ever had that black plastic and then you can buy this stuff... And you can wipe it on there, right? 
And it goes from that gray, dull, like white, crusty, faded to this black, shiny. And, and, and the luster and the color has been renewed because of the application of that cleaning product. Amen? And, and, and so it, 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 when we think about the word renew in our lives and in the kingdom of God, it is something that, that God is desiring for this house. He wants us, you know, uh, he wants us to be uh, revived. He wants us to be rejuvenated. He wants us to rebuild. He wants us to be restored. He wants us to understand that, that the plans and the prophetic words over this house are going to take some shifting to fulfill. Because if you understand that, that when God renews us, he transforms us. Amen. And oftentimes, as, many, as much as we may love God, we can find ourselves in a situation like we're going to read about David, where we're in a situation we never intended in being in, and we find ourselves going down a path that we never planned on. But because of certain things in our life, we end up in a place... Where even though we may love God, our actions and our words are not showing our love for God. And then we take the ability to be the light unto the world or to the region or to our families. We take the ability to be that light away. We've lost the power to turn that light on because we've lost our connection to the power source. We've lost our, our connection and our commitment to God. See, you have to understand that when he talks about renewing, restoring means to, again, reply to an original state after loss. Refresh means to supply something necessary to restore lost strength, animation, or power. And oftentimes in the body of Christ, refreshing is something that's needed. Because we will go and we will go and we will do and we get weary because of storms. We get, we get tired because of situations. We, 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 get, we get discouraged because of things that didn't go our way or how we anticipated or, or things that happened in our life or doctor's reports or job situations or family dynamics. And, and, and so we, we, we allow things to creep in. We, we love God. But we, we forget to keep our thoughts and our minds stayed on him, and we get pulled into the, the circumstances of life, and, and, and the circumstances of life begin to determine what we do versus what God has said for us to do. Amen? You ever been there? You ever felt like, hey, I know God's called me to do something, or, or hey, I know I'm supposed to, 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 to live this way according to the word of God because I've read it, I understand it, and yet you find yourself so far from that person? Can I tell you that in 2024, that God is wanting to renew your thoughts. He's wanting to renew your mind. He's wanting to, 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 to create in you a clean heart. David said in Psalms 51, right, and, and verse 10, it, it reads this way in a couple different translations, but, but, but it reads it like this. It says, um, excuse me, he says in the Amplified Classic, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right, persevering, and steadfast spirit within me. In the New Living Translation, he said it this it says it this way, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a loyal spirit within me, a committed spirit, a faithful spirit, one that is attached to you no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, right? You ever had that buddy in your life, you're like, hey, you my ride or die, right? Don't be so saved right now. You got a ride or die in your life. What's a ride or die? That's somebody that no matter where you're at in life, whatever's going on, you call them your bestie, you call them whatever you want, they're going to be there for you. Amen? God has blessed me to have some ride or dies in my life. Uh, first one in, 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 in my wife, and says, or I should, probably should say my mother first because she birthed me, right? But these two women are, are ride or dies in my life. 
Amen. But then God surrounded me with some men, some brothers. And even though they be brothers from another mother, they are brothers in my life. Because my only biological brother is celebrating in heaven and he's rejoicing and, and he finished his race. But, but to fill in that gap or that void, God has surrounded me with some other men that love God. And I know that no matter what's going on, I can pick up the phone and call them. Some of them are in this room today. And a couple of them live in different states. But God has given me those men that I can trust, I can depend on, that we can run, yoke together at the same pace. And that's important. See, God wants us to understand that our lives are incomplete, number one, without Him. Number two, they're, they're out of order without Him. And, and number three... We don't accomplish the things he's called us to if he's not the center of our lives. Amen? You can do things in your own strength, in your own might. I can do things in my own strength, in my own might. And people will praise you, and people will celebrate you, and people will honor you. But at the end of the day, we end up like Matthew 7, 21 and 23, depart from me, for I never knew you. Because we do things out of what we think is right. And yeah, we do some good things, but God is never the center of those things or the center of our lives. But, but David is in a place here when we read Psalms 51.10 and, he, and, he, and he's crying out to God in this moment. But why is he making this statement? That's the thing that we have to question. That's the thing that we have to understand. Why is David saying, God, I need you to create in me a clean heart and I need you to renew in me a right spirit, a committed spirit, a loyal spirit, a persevering spirit, one that is submitted to you, one that is running after you. Why is David crying out? Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11. In verse 1, it's the story of David and Bathsheba. Some of you have heard that. Some of you have read it. Some of you have heard it in different capacities. And some of you have never, never ever read the story or ever heard it. That's why the word of God is to do what? Dale mentioned it again the other day. It's to show us what's wrong in our lives, to correct us and to equip us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, right? And, and so we have to understand that God has a purpose. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, I'm reading out the New Living Translation. When kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabah. Rabah, however you want to pronounce it. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Verse 2. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Verse 3. He sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Verse 4, then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Go back to verse 1. Can you put that back up there for me, please? In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israeli army to fight the Ammonites. David's king in this moment. David has, has walked into the thing that God has called him to do. Even though Saul tried to take him out before he got there. 
The Lord protected him and he put him and he trusted him to rule and reign. He trusted him to bring glory to him. He trusted him to do the things that he was called to do. But if you read this, it says when kings normally go out to war. As a king, he should have been at war with the army. He should have been leading them into battle. He should have been protecting them. He should have been guiding them. He should have been instructing them. He should have been using the wisdom that God had placed inside of him to help the army go and win the war. But because he chose to do something out of order, because he chose to be somewhere he shouldn't have been, he now became tempted in something he shouldn't have been doing. He now puts himself in a place. See, if he's at war, he's not on the rooftop when Uriah's wife is out there bathing and seeing her. He, he, he's not overwhelmed with, with hormones and feelings, right? Because no man looks at a woman and then goes and sins for her if his hormones aren't rising. Now, if you have little ones, praise the Lord. We have children's ministry. But I can't, I can't hold those things back. You, you have to understand that, right? It's a real world, right? And, and so here he finds himself on a rooftop, noticing her, and when they tell him who she is, it does not deter him from sending for her. Hey, she's married to one of the men in your army, and it doesn't even phase him. Go get her. Go get her. Go, 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 go bring her to my house. Well, what was his intentions when he sent for her? His mind and his heart and his thoughts, everything was raging from the wrong direction. He was thinking with the wrong brain in that moment. Many of you have been there. Sometimes we think with the wrong thoughts because we're not led by the Spirit of the Lord. We're led by the Spirit of our flesh. Lust. Perversion. And so here David is having these thoughts about Bathsheba so, so intense and so overwhelming that he sins for her and he gets her into his house and as he gets into her house, into his house, now he has sex with her. That's what it means when it says he slept with her, just so you know. Now he breaks covenant. Now he dishonors God. Now he dishonors the very one that's helping lead his army into battle and win. Now he dishonors the, the authority and the position that God has given him as king over the land. Now he begins to set the wrong example for people. And so here's the thing you have to remember that when we, when, when, when we are in a place we're not supposed to be and we begin to be led by things we're not supposed to be led for, we have to remember, I say it all the time from the pulpit, that our decisions never just affect us, they affect those around us. He's now made a decision to please himself and to dishonor a marriage covenant and to dishonor God and he's caused a woman to defile her marriage covenant to her husband. And here's what happens when we get ourselves in a, in a pickle or in a tough place or in a situation between what we call a rock and a hard place. What do you do? You revert to how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? Because I realize I messed up. And that's what David does in this moment. David, he, he realizes that hmm, there's a situation because here's the thing that she goes home, right? So he sleeps with her. She goes home, and then she comes back to him later and says, look, she gets word to him, I'm pregnant. And he's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, what am I going to do now? I've already messed up. 
And now that problem just got, that's right, uh-oh. Now that problem's compounded. Because sin, one sin will lead to another, to another, to another. It's like a chain reaction, a domino effect in our lives. And David finds himself in a place of, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. And so he reverts to, in verse 5, she says, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent messages to David saying, I'm pregnant. Verse 6, then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, this is her husband, David asked him how, how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. He's having small talk. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Right? All the while, he's got a plan and a plot to try to cover some stuff up. Right? He's befriending Uriah only to try to protect himself. He has an ulterior motive in this meeting, in this moment. And oftentimes when we find ourselves in a situation of dishonoring God, out of relationship with God, allowing sin to rule and reign in our lives, then we will find ourselves with ulterior motives trying to cover the things up instead of just revealing them, repenting of them, and turning back to God. Here's the thing about covering something up. It can only stay covered for so long. Eventually somebody's going to uncover it. And the great thing is, is God's already uncovered it all because he knows all. First John 3.20, he knows everything about us. You can't hide anything from God. I can't hide anything from God. We can't hide anything from God, nor should we try, nor should we desire. But the lie of the enemy is to cover up the mess in our lives because nobody will find out. Everybody in the city cannot know, but if God knows, that's what matters. See, we've worried about pleasing the wrong people in our lives. We've worried about covering up and covering and doing things so that people, have a, that people look at us a certain way or respond to us a certain way or, expect, uh, uh, or, or value us in a certain way. All the while, we've been covering things up to protect our image or our character or to protect our name with people. But we've never once thought about how God's looking at us or what he's thinking about us. See, I need to encourage you today that that in 2024, God has got something greater for your life. He's got something greater for this ministry. And cover-ups will only hold us back from what God has in your life. Believing the lie that I can get out of this if I just do this and I do that and I do this. And David begins to be strategic and, he, and he's with Uriah and he's asking him, hey, how are things going? And, and, and then in verse 8 he says, then he told Uriah, go home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. David's plan wasn't working. David's plan to cover up and, 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 and to make somebody else think that this is Uriah's son and, and I'm going to bring Uriah home from the battle and I'm going to have him sleep with his wife and, 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 and everything's going to work out. And Uriah's like, look, I'm a man under authority. I'm a man of war. I'm a man of position. And, and, and I'm a man of honor and integrity. And my role right now is to be where I'm supposed to be even though King David, you're not where you're supposed to be. And he refused to give in to doing something he knew he wasn't supposed to do in that moment. Yeah, he loved his wife. Sure, he wanted to be with his wife. But he was supposed to be at war just like King David was supposed to be. He was a soldier. And when the war was happening, the soldiers were to be there. Verse 10, when David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night? 
After being away for so long, Uriah replied, the ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. And Joab, my master's men, are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. Verse 12, we'll stay here today, David told him. And tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home with his wife, to home to his wife. And again, he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. Verse 14, so the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then pull back so that he will be killed. David was determined to cover his sin. He was determined to cover his mistake at the cost of anything. See, the lie of the enemy is to get us to walk in that same lane. The lie of the enemy is to get us to try to cover and hide and, and, and fix and solve some things that we can't by trying to cover them up. See, covering things up, it's kind of like this. You ever put that dish in the refrigerator? In the refrigerator? It's covered, and after a while, you forget what's in there. And then after a while, the fridge starts stinking. Somebody opens you like, whew, what in the world is in there? And in the initial look, you know something stinks, but you can't figure it out because you don't remember what's in all these dishes, and you've forgotten how long they're there, and, you, you, know, you, you know, you see different things. And, and then when you open it up, it's not what it used to be when you put it in there. It's got mold growing on it. It's got all colors. We had something on our counter. I'm going to throw my wife on the bus for a moment. I love her so much. She knew I was going here. We had something on our counter the other day, and I'm like, hey, what's that? Oh, that's such and such. I'm like, oh, how long has it been there? I don't know, a couple days, a few days, something like that. I'm like, oh, okay. I opened it, and I was like, oh, that's been there longer than a few days, baby. In her defense, she is the glue in our house, and she's a true Proverbs 31 woman, and we got five children and a father, and... Like, she has a lot on her plate. But my point is this, is sometimes we cover things, we put them away thinking that it's all good, only to come back and find out that it's gotten worse instead of better. David was trying to fix a problem by making it worse. Because now not only did he break a marriage union, now he's taking a woman's husband. And now he's asking Joab to get involved in this murder plot. Man. When you think about the Bible, there's some crazy stuff that took place, right? Some of you are like, yeah, it's like a soap opera. Yeah, some of it is. Because you see the fallacy of man and the sovereignty of God. And here's the thing that you must remember is that David, no matter what his intentions were, and no matter how great he tried, he could not cover what was going on. And when you jump over to verse or, or chapter 12, he's confronted by Nathan in that moment because... Uriah takes the letter for his death sentence and gives it to the, the commander that's ultimately going to put him on the front lines and kill him without knowing it. So when you read on, he gets put on the front lines and ends up dying. And in, verse, in chapter 12, Nathan comes in, and I'm not going to read all of this, but, but Nathan comes in and he rebukes David. And he confronts him. 
See, oftentimes when we cover our sin and we cover things in our life, we just want it to go away. We don't ever want to be confronted about it. We just want to, what they call, sweep it under the rug. We just don't want anybody to find out or know. We just, we just want it to, you know, kind of, kind, of, kind of fade away in the distance and, oh, that's my past and that's who I used to be. But no, it's still a part of your future if you never deal with it. Because the seed is still growing in the ground even though you can't see it. I was listening to a call the other day, and, 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 and it, was, it was another conference call, and there's a gentleman on there. He's in Florida, and, and, and he's taking up gardening and, and, and learning how to, to uh, grow plants and herbs and vegetables and all these things. And he was talking about some of the things that he was doing, but, but he was talking about once that seed's planted, how he had to nurture it. Plays classical music, gets the right soil, covers it so it doesn't get too cold. And, but he does everything to nurture that seed because what he can't see, he knows is going to produce something as long as he takes care of it. Can I tell you today that the enemy does the same thing in our lives? That, but, that he, but, 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 but it works reverse in Satan's kingdom than it does in God's kingdom. Because in Satan's kingdom, he's like, plant it, forget about it. It, it. Don't worry about it. It won't affect you anymore. Can I tell you if a farmer plants a seed and never goes back to it and never thinks about it again, chances are it's not going to produce the fruit that he's looking for or it's going to produce something that he doesn't want. When you don't tend to your garden, it's called weeds. Can I tell you that, that David thought, if I can just get through this season, if I can just manage it, nothing will happen, but God knew. And so David is confronted by Nathan. David is confronted and like, look, hey, what happened was wrong. And many of you know the story, and some of you may not, and I'll paraphrase it in these moments, but David goes on in, in, in verse 13, and, and, and David confesses, I have sinned against the Lord. David got to a point where he, his, his, the compounding of his sin, the compounding of his disobedience, the compounding of being out of the order and will of God, it had gotten so heavy and so weighty and so much, and now he finds himself making and doing things and saying things that he should have never done, and now he's called to the plate and he realizes it. You know what happens to most people when they get called to the plate like that? They clam up, they shut down, and they start pointing fingers at somebody else's fault. Well, if you would have done this, this would have happened. Or if they would have done this, this wouldn't have happened. Can I tell you that you're responsible for you? I'm responsible for me. If I make a bad decision, I can't blame it on my wife and expect that that's my get-out-of-jail-free card. No, i got to own up to some things. I, I, I got I to take, take responsibility for some things. I, I, I got to, as they would say, man up about some things. And there's been many times in my life where I've had to repent and ask the Lord to forgive me and ask others to forgive me. But can I tell you, as a shepherd of this house, as God is calling us to a year of renewing, one of the things that he's calling me to do is to give truth at a greater level than I ever have before. Not Michael's truth, God's truth. What he's calling me to do is take us past just complacent Christianity, just going through the motions Christianity, just coming to church Christianity, just feeling good Christianity. He's calling us to go deeper. But as he calls us to go deeper and he calls us to renew, uh, 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 create in me a clean heart as David cried out and renew in me a loyal spirit, a committed spirit. As he calls me to do something that he desires of me, I'm going to have to clean some stuff up first. If you continue to read on, David confesses. He realizes he's wrong. Uriah's dead. He ends up taking Bathsheba as one of his wives. The child is born. But the word of the Lord is that that child will not live. 
There was consequences for his action in that moment. As you read the story, David prays, he fasts, he weeps. Child dies. God had already put things in motion. He had already determined what was going to take place. Because sometimes as much as we try to cover things up and try to push them away and just try to forget about it, with no repercussions, then often we find ourselves back in the same boat eventually. I believe that God didn't want David to go back down that same path. And I believe David didn't want to. And that's why when you read Psalms 51 and verse 10, and he's crying out to God, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit, a loyal spirit. What was he really saying? See, when you go to 1 Samuel, and, and you look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, and you look at verse 7, this is where David is being chosen to be king. This is where Saul has, has lost the ability to be king. Saul has dishonored God. He's been more concerned about men uh, and their opinions than he did obeying the voice of the Lord. And, and now God is looking for a new king and he's choosing a new king. And he sends Samuel to go look for one. And, and when he goes to the house of Jesse and he starts looking at his sons... Samuel sees some of them, and he thinks they're the right one, but God keeps telling him no. But if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7 in the New Living, it reads it this way. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected them, rejected him. Right? Samuel's looking at Eliab and thought, surely he's the one, right? Like, he fits the bill, he looks the part, he's got this. And God says, no, 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 wait a second. You're looking at outward. I have, a different, I have a different way to measure who's going to be the next king. And he goes on to say, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When David is crying out, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. He's saying, take me back to the one that you called me. When you called me to be king, the reason you chose me was because of my heart. The reason you chose me is because of where I was at that stage in my life. The reason you chose me is you had a plan for my life, but my life was pure and undefiled before you. My life was committed to you. I was in fellowship with you. I was doing the things you called me to do. Can I encourage you today that this year is a year of renewing? Can I encourage you that this year is a year of God taking us back to the person we were when we first surrendered our life to Jesus? He wants to rejuvenate, refresh, and restore you. He wants you to stop trying to cover some things up and stop trying to be somebody he didn't call you to be. He wants you to start being where he's called you to be. And as a ministry, he wants us to start doing more of what he's called us to do. But the enemy will always try to bring distractions. He'll always try to get us to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So we open that crack for the enemy to come in. David was like, look, I realized I was wrong. I realized I missed it. I realized, but, but God, I remember why you chose me. And I remember that I was chosen not because I looked apart. Not because I fit the bill, what everybody else said. Not because I had all the qualifications that they were looking for but because my heart was right before you. Can I encourage you in 2024, God wants some right hearts before him? Can I encourage you that he wants to renew in you a right spirit, but he wants to create in you and I a clean heart? 
that he wants us to get back. What does that mean? It means that, you know, Adam and I were talking about this the other day, and it means that you cannot be renewed without repentance. That's what David was doing in that moment. He was repenting before the Lord. Repentance means I'm going to turn away from where I'm at and what I'm doing. I'm going to turn away from the things that don't honor you, God. I'm going to turn away from the things that that bring division in my life with you, God. I'm going to turn away from from the distractions, Lord. I'm, I'm I'm going to go the other direction. Repentance isn't sorry. Sorry will do it over and over and over and over and over again. Every time you get caught, sorry. Repentance is I want change in my life. I want change in my life. I want change in my family. I want change in my community. I want change in my region. I want change. Change starts with one. Change starts with you and I. We often ask other people to do what we're not willing to do. Because we love the ideal of repentance and we love the ideal of change and we love the idea of renewing. But then when we look in the mirror, we think that doesn't apply to us. Can I encourage you that when God speaks to the house, it applies to the house, not just one? I'm no better than you, and you're no better than I. It replies to me, too. It's a shepherd of the house. Can I encourage you that there are some things that God's spoken over your life, and he's prepared you for, and he desires of you, but the enemy's constantly trying to get you to be out of order and out of place and out of season? In the spring, the king was supposed to be at war. That season, he was in the wrong place. You may be in a season of your life where you're in the wrong place. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm not supposed to be here. That's not what I said. Maybe you're in the wrong place spiritually. Because being in the wrong place spiritually will allow us to compromise our relationship with the Lord, our integrity. It will allow us to compromise our honor and our love for God. And when we compromise, a snowball effect happens. Who was affected in that? Not just David, Sheba, Uriah, Joab, a child. But also, when you read the story, there were other men on the front line with Uriah. So when David sent Uriah to die, he also signed the death sentence for the other men that were with him. One man's disobedience, one man's disorder brought discord, death, and destruction to many. Can I tell you that's why the enemy doesn't want us to live a life of repentance? Can I tell you it's why the enemy doesn't want us to hold, be held accountable for our actions, our words, and our thoughts? Can I tell you it's why the enemy just wants us to cover things up and to think that they'll go away? But only to find out that they're still going to haunt you. Well, I don't believe in haunting. I'm not saying from a ghost perspective. I'm saying from your thoughts being ridden with the lies of the enemy and the distractions. And then your mind being so focused on those thoughts that it drives you away from the one that loves you the most. So you have to understand that the reason the heart is so important, when David said, created me a clean heart, you have to be reminded 
of what the Word of God says. Proverbs 21 and verse 2, people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 9 and 10 reads this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Verse 10, But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Can I tell you one of the things, one of the reasons your heart needs renewed, renewed or created clean and your spirit needs renewed this year? It's because when you have a clean heart and a renewed spirit, when the Lord searches and examines your heart, He doesn't find filth. He finds purity. He finds holiness and righteousness. For too long the church has compromised with the grace message to take away the responsibility of pursuing God and living a holy and pure and clean life before Him. Not because you want man's approval, but because you desire and love God so much that you desire to be where you're supposed to be in your relationship with Him. Because a right relationship with the Lord actually brings protection to your life. It keeps us on the path that God's called us to. Psalms 19 and verses 12 through 14 reads this, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Verse 13, keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. Verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's crying out, cleanse me from the things working inside me. Why? So I don't walk in deliberate sin. David's heart was in the wrong place and it caused him to walk into deliberate sin. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know why I do what I do. Can I tell you why you do what you do sometimes? Because your heart's not in the right place. Yeah, you look the part, you sound the part, you speak the part. But the thing that the Lord examines and searches and looks for secret motives is the thing that nobody else can see. But he can. When David was called by the Lord, his heart was right. When David slept with Bathsheba and took Uriah out, his heart was in the wrong place. I wonder where your heart is today. I'm so thankful that you're here, and the Lord is thankful that you're here. He's thankful for those engaging online. He's thankful for what he's called us to do. Maybe you have titles. Maybe you have accolades. Maybe everybody's looked up to you. But you've constantly be covering and you wonder why you can't move forward. 
David couldn't move forward in, in leading a nation the proper way until he was taken back to the clean heart, the reason he was chosen to be king in the first place. And maybe there's some things in your life that aren't going the way they're supposed to. But maybe it's because you've let your heart become dirty, broken, separated from the Lord. Psalms 51, 12, David goes on to say, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Restore to me the excitement, the love, the desire of knowing that my relationship with you, my commitment to you, my surrender to you is what puts everything in the order it needs to be. Psalm, or Proverbs 27, 19 says this, As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. The best thing we can do in 2024 is to constantly allow the Lord to change us, transform us, rejuvenate us, refresh us, and renew us. But the only way that can happen is to live a life of repentance. Repentance takes ownership. Repentance says, hey, I missed it. I realize it. Repentance takes humility. Repentance takes loving and desiring God more than you love an image. And when I say love an image, love your own image of the way people view you, think about you. When the Bible says they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, repentance is what it takes to have the testimony. Can I encourage you today that God has great plans for this house and He has great plans for you. He has great plans for us. I want to remind you this morning that when David goes on to say in verse 17 actually let me go back up to verse 16 of Psalm 51 you do not desire sacrifice or I would offer one you do not want a burnt offering he said the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. He said, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. 2024 is a year to renew. And as the Lord takes us deeper on this and as we do more, can't be restored we can't go back to who we were so that we can go forward in who he's called us to be 
without first acknowledging the necessity of repentance in our life. Repentance isn't just for the big sins. Well, what are the big sins, Pastor Michael? In God's eyes, the sins are the same, but in society's eyes, there's big sins and there's little sins. Well, I just told a little lie. It didn't really matter. It wasn't that big of a deal. You know, it would have hurt their feelings if I had told them the truth. Then hurt their feelings. Tell them the truth. Well, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't take all their money. I only took like 10 bucks. You know, they still had plenty left over. So stealing part of it versus stealing all of it's any better? Well, well, you know, I, I didn't, I, you know, they were talking really bad about that person. And, 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 and you know, I heard them and, 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 you know, it was really, really bad. And, 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 you know, I didn't say much. I just said one or two things. But I didn't stay in the conversation for the hour there. And I was only in it for like 15 minutes. Well, well you know, I, 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 did, I didn't commit adultery. You know, I, I just, you know, it just popped up. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I just had to look for a little bit because, you know, I didn't know what else to do. It was there, and so I just looked. Well, I, I, I didn't really disobey God. Like, 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 like the Lord told me to, 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 to do this or to give this, and, and I did part of that. So I didn't really disobey Him. I did something. It was better than not doing anything. And I could go on and... and a bunch of different scenarios and a bunch of different things. We're to live a daily life of repentance. We're born into sin. The Bible says that we're in a spiritual battle. Right? And David said, do what? Renew in me a right spirit. Can I encourage you that in 2024, in order to be renewed, refreshed, rejuvenated, transformed, we have to stop being led by our feelings. We have to stop being led by the flesh. We have to stop being led from culture. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. And truth always honors God. We stand with you this morning. We hope you encountered the presence of God through today's message. We encourage you to subscribe and share this podcast with friends and family. To experience more from Word of Life, you can follow and connect with us through social media at Word of Life NM or visit our website at wordoflifechristian.org.